Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Matt and Jack Morning Show, Episode 2, Gamifying Health. Yeah, nice. That's it. Perfect. Right. I know where that is now. So I will find that and I will use that. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm sorry that I always make you do so much editing. <laughs> it's, it's not too bad. I've got a feeling that it, it could be considerably, considerably longer and considerably worse. So I don't, I don't think we have anything to worry about. But should we Perfect. start? Should we start the main event? Let's start the main event. So, as per the introduction that I managed to get right for the third time over, we are looking at gamifying health. Jack, you brought this topic to the table. Maybe you want to give us a little bit of background how this came about. Yeah, no problem. I mean, um, I'm a little bit late to the party because I realized this news story first came out in March, but I just discovered it, which is that the NHS are considering doing a 70 pound, 70 million pound, 70 pound might be a little bit, (laughs) a little bit, uh, might not have the biggest impact, but a 70 million pound pilot study on how they can try and better incentivize healthier behavior. Um, and they're considering using financial incentives to be able to do that. Um, there's not much information yet about how they're going to do this particular study, but we thought it was enough to be able to talk about it in terms of how can they actually incentivize people to be more healthy using financial nudges, um, because we know that there are private insurance schemes out there and public schemes out there all around the world that do this kind of thing already. So I thought as it's new to the UK, um, and given the the need for something that is effective in helping people uh, get in control and, and, and get uh, in better control of their, of their health, that I thought it'd be a really interesting topic to discuss. Correct. And I've seen that Sir Keith Mills, the uh, man who invented Nectar and those different um, air miles programs, is the guy advising the government on this scheme. Yeah. So that's why that's why I initially just I, in my head I just thought points games. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is quite an accurate uh, accurate way of perceiving a study that's promoted by the by Sir Keith Molson. So right, well, let's let's jump jump into the state of the public health. How bad really is it at the moment and what's worked in the past and failed and is this something worth considering? Yeah, I mean, well, we know that we know that in the UK um like the, we, we call it an obesity epidemic now, um, given that, you know, and given what what's similarly been described as a pandemic epidemic in, in COVID over the last year and a half, we, we know that it, we know that it's bad. I mean, I've, I've also seen uh, Boris Johnson is now all fully for trying to tackle the, as they describe it, the waistline problem after his little stint in um I wouldn't say a little stint, but after his stint in St. Mary's Hospital with COVID and how he struggled due to his uh, lack of healthy lifestyle. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, if you are obese, you're more susceptible to flus, you're more susceptible in, to COVID as well. Um, just because the body is under such strain when you are obese. And I mean, to put it into perspective, I think, you know, two thirds of adult Britons are overweight or obese globally. 2 billion adults are overweight and of of those 650 million are considered to be obese. So 
By 2025, this is expected to increase. So by 2025, 37% of the adult population could be overweight and 12.5% over be, uh, would be obese. And this is that's a global number. But if you look at certain countries, like especially in a, what like a, advanced or developed economies, up to 40% of adults can be obese. And that's just an insane metric to think about it. Yeah. And so much, so much study has been done on what the cost of the, what the cost of obesity has on the healthcare system and how it impacts people's lives. I mean, there was one study I saw that it, it, being obese can reduce your life expectancy by somewhat nine years, but also create a lot more health issues as well as mental issues, which I think is quite prevalent and I feel it is something that needs to be looked at quite urgently in a world where we are consuming at such an insane rate to do so in a positive way would any any kind of study I feel is worthwhile yeah. trying to get people to eat healthier trying to get people to reduce their intake and exercise more I think it's a phenomenal phenomenal idea yeah and I think it's it's not just a case of like um with I don't think I've ever met someone who is overweight who hasn't said they want to lose weight. And I, I don't think I've ever really met someone who wouldn't be responsive to trying something different and trying to get in better control of that. And I don't, and I think that there is, there's a lot of stuff in our society, whether that's with the way that food is accessible, the types of food that is accessible, that kind of like leans into that uh that kind of uh that uh kind of like a situation i mean i read i read one thing as well which was that there's this new category of foods called ultra processed foods which has very little scientific research about um but you think about it it's like it's like the cheese strings you know like the thing that you could literally buy it was a little plastic tube and you could literally pull cheese strings off of it kids love it um that <laughs> cheese it's or something like that i think cheese is it then those kinds of foods now make up 80 percent of a children's of a child's calorific intake in the uk today that's and, insane and it's kind of like can can these kinds of financial incentive schemes knowing that financial incentives can nudge people in the direction of certain behavior help them to live healthier lives both for their own benefit and primarily for their own benefit but also to the benefits of the wider society i think they were saying that obesity in the uk alone costs 25 or no, 27 billion pounds per year to the society to society um which and the other the other very prevalent thing is the nhs spent an estimated 6.1 billion on overweight and obesity related illnesses in 2014 and 2015 yeah and that was six years ago it's only getting worse yeah but so a little uh, can we dive a little bit more into the idea of what this gamifying health is yeah. so what is the what is the proposal do you think this will actually work and do you think it will affect the people who need it the most so i think there's this little there's a few details about the scheme um but the idea is probably doing something similar to like what they do what they've done in singapore and what 
private health insurance like Vitality do, uh, which is essentially through providing a tracker or an activity measure, something that measures activity, they will offer either a cash payment or some form of equivalent reward if you do certain types of healthy behavior. So cheaper, cheaper, healthier food. Well, that's the thing. So we don't know where the incentives are going to lie yet. And that's one of the things what I was quite curious about, which is, you know, you say, we say, uh, let's take Vitality, for example. Vitality, you can link your Vitality uh, account with a John Lewis account. And John Lewis, for example, will then uh, reward you points if you, or give you a discount, sorry, on, for example, their good health range, their good health food range, right? Uh, Waitrose, you mean? Waitrose, John Lewis, same thing. Same Same thing. thing. Yeah, true. Um, true, true. (laughs) Ish. For the people that don't know, they're linked. <laughs> yeah, they're linked. But, I eat myself. <laughs> yeah, but, but Matt's right. But I'm just going to take, I'm just going to say one thing. It's Waitrose. Now, if anyone understands that for people who are listening, you may not be from the UK. Waitrose is quite a premium food brand. Um, it It's not, go. it's not, for example, an Aldi. Um, mm. And we know that in the UK, and it's quite representative across all of kind of like advanced economies, it's generally the poorer people in society that are overweight or obese. So is it a question where giving someone 10 pounds for doing a five mile run every every week, um, five miles, that's a lot, 5k, 5k run, let's go for that. That's a bit more bearable. 5k run, is that going to really tackle the problem? Or is it going to, is it going to have to be a little bit more creative in, in how those vouchers are actually provided? I think in Singapore, they like give them like a $10 voucher. Um, yeah, for the steps that they do in a day. Yeah. But will, if, if, if we know that, if, I know it goes to the root cause of obesity and I've done a load of research and I think there's, there's loads of people who are just saying, oh, it's just overeating. And then a lot of people saying it's fine if you overeat as long as you exercise a lot. So I know they're inherently linked, but. Well, I mean, also, if you look at the kind of there was one study I saw that shows that on average, they're more uh, more fast food restaurants in non affluent areas. Um there's also if you are in the ten percent of the worst or part of society, you two times more likely to be obese than those that are in the top ten percent of of affluent areas, mm-hmm. which I think is also points at one of the big problems in our world today, which I do think is fast food, um, because the big issue is, uh, what I said earlier is I I had the fortunate privilege of growing up in a family that loved to cook and therefore cooking and recipes were always something that were lying around on dining room tables. So we always had access to how to use fruit and vegetables to create healthy, tasty meals. But now in today's modern society, and I think this is reflected in those OECD numbers, it's cheaper to buy a Big Mac than it is to buy a head of cauliflower. You like as a parent or someone that's struggling to, I suppose, struggling uh, to be able to afford rent alone and to feed themselves. What's the point of going to a healthy restaurant or uh, sorry, a healthy grocer and and literally yeah, well. only getting a piece of cauliflower when you could go to like McDonald's and get an entire meal for the same price and that meal, then you also come away with change. Mm. So I I do think the idea behind 
incentivizing people to exercise is definitely one of the main things because I, I, it has been shown in vitality studies and um, just for the sake of argument, that is one of the private insurers. But again, this alienates quite a large portion of the population because the people that have the money to the additional income to be able to pay for their own medical aid or medical insurance, vitality studies show that when people were given the vitality rewards and an Apple Watch, leading on two kind of um, behavioral economic heuristics of i.e. Uh, loss aversion and um, I think it is yeah, loss aversion yeah, and then it's loss aversion. Get the name well loss aversion. So with the Apple Watch, it's exercise. You need to achieve this amount of exercise in a week, and therefore you won't have to pay for this Apple Watch. And that showed that people increased their activity by thirty four percent on average, and it also showed that people increased their number of activity days by five to, in some regions, five to four in others uh, per month, which is an amazing result. However, that being said, if you look at that incentive program of if you run five kilometers a day, we're going to give you an extra 10 quid. But if you only have that 10 quid to spend at McDonald's, it's kind of, I feel like it might be counterintuitive. So I feel that there needs to be a little bit more in-depth research and maybe, oh, I don't know, I was thinking cooking classes when I was thinking, would this actually work? Imagine if you could use those, if the NHS had to roll out a, a somewhat of a, uh, I don't know, uh, what would you call it? Uh, like a, a cooking workshop that would go to areas that are affected and show recipes and then with the idea of these new recipes, provide mm. people with, if you do X amount of exercise, you can go and get this, recipe health box from or, or, this cruiser. Or, or you or you go for the approach of saying well what about if they partner with people like hello fresh or blue apron in the us or uh um, yeah. or those kinds of meal kit uh providers uh and they they essentially say you don't need to worry about trying to design healthy meals you don't have to go looking for it you literally just follow this recipe box um and that you take that approach i think I think that's a brilliant idea because yeah, that would that's normally the biggest the the norm. Uh, sorry, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm getting excited about this topic. I feel like we're <laughs> touching on some good points, but I do. I feel like that is one of the big things that is a, a barrier to entry into cooking. Is so many people uh, who I've met don't um, who don't cook or haven't grown up in a in a household that cooks like regularly and and being food food is the is the main focus point around dinners and whatnot but that is the big barrier to entry is how yeah. what do i do with an aubergine <laughs> yeah with a what an aubergine an aubergine <laughs> uh, an eggplant an eggplant sorry it's no, an no, aubergine no, you're right you, you know you're right it's still an, it's still a, i just know it as an aubergine i was just i was right. just in, <laughs> enjoying the differences in the accent there an aubergine i think that, that well, you, you definitely are pulling on the french bit there zucchini aubergine. <laughs> oh, zucchini all right okay yeah aubergine. right the table has been flipped the table has been flipped don't you talk about eggplants and aubergines it's, it's zucchini <laughs> right but you know you know what i'm saying and i yeah. think your idea there partnering with one of those um partners that actually give you the recipe to do would be amazing yeah i think it's it's one of those things where it's the the um 
I, I kind of like wonder how it could work in practice to an extent. And I'm sure that's what the pilot is trying to work out is that I, from what I've, what I've seen, um, we know that obesity is a problem in all wealth groups, um, mm -hmm. but we know it hits the poorest hardest. Why is it hit the poorest hardest? Is it accessibility to good food? Um, and is it, is it, do you, if you, if for example, you are, you are in a, in a, in a, in a household that doesn't have too much disposable income, um, could you even afford to pay the hundred pound deposit that you have to do on vitality for the Apple watch? I mean, that could be a lot of money. And if that's going to be sub subsidized by the NHS or something like that, oh, is it, it must be really careful. Otherwise it's going to end up being in a situation where you're effectively giving people credit. Um, and if it's like, if you're giving people credit and they're in those situations, um, being able to sustain healthy behavior is really, really hard when you've got like a kid in a food aisle going, I want some cocoa pops. Mm. Um, so, uh, and so it's kind of like, how do you do it in a holistic way? So that if, for example, you are doing an activity tracker and you are going to offer someone 10 pounds for doing a 5k run, that, that really needs to be relative to the, uh, the, how does that support longer term behavior? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, if, if this pilot is a success, looking at like the quantitative, quantitative uh, figures here, like say, for example, that um, a number I dropped earlier of 6.1 billion. If, say, for example, there's 54 million people in the UK and you said a third of them are potentially obese, you're looking at... Uh, 1.5 million quick maths now quick yeah one point uh 15 15 million so 15 million are potentially obese please excuse the rounding and approximate numbers but we can do that i'll look at the calculations and how horrifically wrong that was later um yeah <laughs> but, but looking at that like if if you were able to even re incentivize and help people do more exercise because and eat healthily. Don't get me wrong. I think there's two very there's two sides of this problem. Is one moving people to eat healthier food, and two exercising. Because I'm a mass, I'm an avid believer that exercise is fundamental to longevity in people. Uh, well, and, and living a, a healthier, happier life. And studies have shown this. Heaps of studies have shown this. Actually, one exercise helps with mental health. Um, it shows that on average. I think where one, oh, where was that research about uh, mental bad health days, like having bad. Yeah, mental. yeah. Uh, I can't remember the statistics, but I remember it being bad. Oh, uh, here we go. Here we go. Got it. Research found that on average, a person has 3.4 poor mental health days per month. But among those who exercise, the number of poor mental health days dropped by more than 40%. Exercise may change the way the brain functions, which could account for the decrease in depression or, or, or anxiety. That's just one of the benefits of exercise, not to mention all the other health benefits of uh, getting your heart rate up, helping your body be more receptive to, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it just makes your, makes your whole body stronger. Your immune system functions better. You think more clearly. Your, your hormones become more brought in level. Um so yeah, I, this it, it's definitely clear. I think you know you could probably you could probably bury yourself in a stack of research papers so, talking yeah. about the benefits of exercise. It probably could swim in it if we want to go on the exercise <laughs> theme. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, we really. <laughs> but um, but it's yeah, it's it's kind of like you know, for those for those who like us are, are like um, potentially the recipients of this study. Um, I don't think I don't think people I think people know the benefits. Like that's the thing. Mm. I think people know that eating cocoa pops, which are covered in sugar, and um, sorry, I'm taking out on cocoa pops. Other foods are available, um, but uh, those kinds of foods, for example, people know that it isn't necessarily well for you. I think the government has has uh, has actually made a big thing about pushing that. I mean, there was the big thing about the sugar cap tax a couple of years ago. There was a lot of information with regards to like I can't say how many things I've seen with this is one of your five a day um, since yeah. as I, as I've been growing up, but key thing is it hasn't changed the tide it it hasn't changed the trajectory the trajectory is still very much people going towards that obesity i mean like the the child in in particular like childhood obesity is is really increasing Um, and it's frightening because it's going to be like especially to your point about how um how for example the 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 health of the brain is is linked to what you eat and also what you do in terms of exercise the health of a developing brain where everything is still malleable and things can get hardwired to be in a certain way um a lot of the a lot of the dietary choices and exercise choices then can set you up for later in life so mm. that's why that in particular is concerning but i i'm kind of like wondering you know when It'd be interesting. I did a quick calculation. I know that they probably wouldn't use Apple Watches for this. They'd probably use something like a Garmin instead for the activity tracker, which is probably like, I think like you can get them for less than 200 quid. Um, but if you did that yeah. for the for that 15 million number that you had and you paid for an Apple Watch, which is like 400 quid, ignoring the iPhone, uh, that's six billion pounds. So almost a direct swap but then you miss out the financial <laughs> incentives right so the, you also need to figure out those financial incentives because i was reading that um the success of the financial incentive uh is relative and this was on a study done by the king's fund in like 2007 so this is before activity trackers so they've been looking into this way before technology for example could facilitate you being able to look at your your steps on your phone um and they were finding that you know, if you if you offered someone who has an income of two thousand pounds per month, twenty quid probably won't move the needle. But if, for example, you've got an income of sub a thousand pounds per month, uh, then actually ten to twenty quid could change. And so it's going to be interesting. If how do you tackle? It'll be interesting to see whether or not do they have to have progressive, like financial incentives to people who are just wealthier have to have more in terms of a reward to be able to justify, you know, the, um, uh, justify doing the exercise. Cause as, as you said, like people, people, uh, like to think one, you mentioned heuristics earlier, but another heuristic is the fact that people discount choices today. They'll, uh, based on like how it'll make them feel. So if for example, you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to have a Domino's today. Cause I'm going to work out in the future you'll make that choice. You'll be more likely to make that choice because you know that you can fix it in a couple of days time. Guilty. Even if you don't. That's the one, that's the one <laughs> I fall into every time. <laughs> I, I think we've literally just touched on Deliveroo's business model, but let's ignore that, shall we? Let's just move swiftly on. Um, 
because I've already insulted Kellogg's, Domino's, and Liveroo. I really am going through the brands right now. Um, other brands are available. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's kind of like, it would be interesting to see whether they can do that. I mean, because you are, do you have, if you put in your income, do you get more points because you are wealthier? Because you have to offer more points for the incentive to matter, for example. It seems like it'd be a very interesting dynamic if that's the kind of things they have to do to ensure that the impact is there, unless they're going, unless they're really explicitly going to target a subsect of people with this kind of policy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that in a lot of uh, affluent areas, though, i.e. the wealthy, they, they tend to have more accessibility to, I suppose, gyms and personal trainers etc when they say oh i'd like to lose weight they have the means well not all of them but a lot of them have the means to be able to do that and therefore maybe the incentive isn't that much for them in that respect because mm-hmm. some of them also have their own private medical so yeah. they they tend not to rely as much on the nhs and one of the things that i was thinking it's that people often expect the people often expect the government to provide their care yeah. and is it not unreasonable then for the government to ex- to reasonably expect people to care for themselves as well to try so, and improve their life in terms of their longevity instead of relying on potentially medical products to help them through the last bits so i'm kind of like on the fence to this because we have to like we have to remember that you have some people making decisions about what they're going to feed their families up against the overwhelming force of the food industry Uh, um because you'll have like i discounted that (laughs) yeah i mean like it's like you know who's going to win there's david and goliath where david is mcdonald's and goliath is no wait no, Goliath. I've got the other McDonald's. way around. Yeah, yeah. Goliath <laughs> is McDonald's, and David is like uh, not McDonald's. It's Joe Bloggs who's trying to feed a family of four, um, and it's like um, that's where that's where the government can be could only go so far in saying, you know, we need to help you. And to be fair, they have made changes in the past. They have gone, for example, mm. like okay, well, we need to do the sugar tax. We need to do nutritional labels. We need to do things that help people make those those choices. But if you think about it, let's take a step back. I mean, saturated fats, unsaturated fats, calories, like they're, they're said in a common way, but you know, if you- What does it mean? What does it mean, right? I get yeah. told that I'm only allowed 2000 calories in a day, but what does that really mean? Um, and I still have no idea. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, like, even though we're talking about the topic and we've read loads of articles, it's like a calorie is this It's quite an abstract thing, or at least it's not, it's not abstract if you're a scientist, because you can point it to something. Um, But I'm sure I think it's like a unit of energy or something like that. Um, But it's um, it's difficult, because then at the same time, you get these conflicting stories where it's like, Oh, if you you if you this size and do this much exercise, you burn this many calories, therefore, your food amount is higher and it gets a bit confusing yeah exactly right and that's where you like have all these different apps that basically say here let's calorie count and now you can go and put in i have had a giant 
pie. I've had a steak and ale pie, 50,000 chips. And yeah, okay, you'll be in a you calorie surplus or a calorie deficit. And you're like, okay, now you're using surplus and deficit. We've gone to economics now. Um, yeah. um, so it's, it's interesting. It's like, how, how do you make it more accessible and, and kind of bringing it back round? It's like, we know that, so I think nutritional labels uh, in particular, for example, I, don't, I think I read studies that they said that it didn't make a massive difference. It pushes it a little bit, but it didn't actually really make a difference because I expect what's going on is people are making choices um, like I will do, which is based on what I've read and what I've seen. And if what, what I've read and what I've seen is I should go and buy this particular brand, like it's like baked beans, right? You could buy baked beans from Heinz and then not realize that you've probably got like tons of salt in it because they need to, to be able to actually make sure that you eat it regularly because they want you to have that feeling of, oh, I really like Heinz beans. So even though it's got like a good health label, doesn't mean that it's completely healthy. Yeah, so true. But pulling it back around, do you think this would actually work? I I actually do think that it, I think it could work. I think it could make a difference, but it will really do, from what I've seen, it really does depend upon what that incentive ends up being. If it's something like you're only going to get a 10 pound voucher for, doing a run how's that that won't really incentivize long-term behavior i think the thing that is good about things like vitality is that you are literally accruing points every month if you that that tries to reinforce the longer term aspect and you know you pointed out loss aversion is how do you do that i mean this the idea of potentially partnering with food box providers so that you're effectively removing the choice angle is is potentially an option um, where you could tie your points to a provider who designs healthy meals and you get that shipped to you and then your the convenience factor is potentially there um, yeah. provided that what they're what they're providing is not not ultra processed or not processed <laughs> really yeah. um, but i i think that even if you did do that there is a wider question of like where does it go because mm. if you think about it we know that on the technology side, there are already questions about privacy. Like Google is a free service for everyone to use. Google search. YouTube is a free service. If it's a free service, you're the product. You're the yeah. thing that is being monetized. And I, I wonder whether or not if this kind of financial incentive scheme works and you have almost an entire subset of the population with activity trackers, how do you make sure that that doesn't get abused? How do you make sure that that doesn't go somewhere? I remember reading an article that, for example, an NHS trust, I can't remember which one, um, partnered with Google, uh, with DeepMind, uh, Google's AI uh, research uh, uh, subsidiary, um, and basically ended up sharing a load of patient data without getting consent. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, because... They, they didn't think of the implications. They didn't think about the next step. The, the, the doctors quite rightly were thinking, how do we help patients? And yeah. you could do a similar situation um, where you've got this whole portion of the population, you're trying to make them healthier and you, you potentially give that information and make that available. So they will, I think there'll need to be a big thing on how do you ensure you put up those safeguards if this is successful. And I wonder whether they're considering that now. Yeah. That's a good question.
that is something that needs to be uh, discussed quite, quite, uh, quite in depth before anything like this can go ahead, I suppose. Vitality, I think, slightly different because you, oh, is it though? Is the, the, they, they guarantee that all your information is anonymized and the studies that I've seen that showed the 34% increase in fitness days and et cetera, that, that had all the information anonymized. But again, how, what could be used, how could the government use it in a dystopian style well, world? It's, I don't think it's even necessarily dystopian. It'd be like, so let's say I move away from vitality because I realize with vitality, I... I don't like them anymore as a company and I want to go to some other provider who also provides activity tracking. Can I port my track record over to this new company or do I have to start all again from scratch? Because that can be really disincentivizing. So it's not just a case of like uh, privacy. It can be in part portability. I, if, you, if you don't like, for example, the food you get in a supermarket, you can easily get up and go to another supermarket. But with technology in particular, it becomes quite difficult to be portable. Like I want to, I want to take my search, my my kind of like search history from Google, and I want to be able to import that into Firefox because, or sorry, that's not a browser. Import it into Bing. I don't know why you would, but you might um, take your take your data to Bing because you you've got that personalization there. So it'd be interesting to see whether or not you can do that. Um, as as also an aspect of it, especially if you're starting to accrue this data going forwards. And um, one, one other aspect that we didn't really touch on is that if we talk about accruing these points for healthy behavior, so we know that they can accrue points for activity, how many steps you took, how, what was your heart rate, how are they going to do that for food? How are they going to do that for healthy eating? How do you ensure that someone is actually eating healthily? Yeah, I was thinking about this and I was like, oh, well, you could just, I mean, the technology is there. You could just track their spends at what institutions, but how far does that go into privacy breach? That's it's pretty big. Well, it's, it's, yeah, or you take a step further. I mean, like, um, I think, I think, well, Tesco probably, because they've linked everything through to your club card data, can, can have an idea of what you're spending your money on. Um, is, there a, is there a potential thing where, like we have now open banking, could we have open club card it sounds silly but it's like could you link for example your club card spend like the actual things you're spending to this these kinds of services to demonstrate and prove that you are buying healthy foods i i do feel there could be a you just came across a very good point i think a potential solution could be exactly that is you you have a card that allows you to purchase certain foods at different i don't know venues or different grocers or for example like a hello box thing i think that the hello box thing would be more of a sign here and you will get hello box and it takes away the choice matter but say for example you had a card that when you did a certain amount of fitness that card accrued points and those points could be converted directly into the purchase of uh i suppose healthy goods at the different grocers and that I suppose exists already. Like if you think of your Tesco club card and nectar points and everything else, I was part of a, not a study, but I was helping at one of my previous jobs, helping push uh, when people went into supermarkets, providing them with 
uh, bespoke deals and a reward and nectar points. And the the pilot was a, 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 a huge success. I mean, there was a lot of incentives in there uh, in terms of the cost side of things. But I think a card idea would probably ensure that people could so if those cards were loaded with x amount of points for every run that you did and those points converted directly to vegetables i don't know that could that could kind of ensure that people are buying the right stuff getting their five a day for sure yeah no i agree and um, <laughs> i, I didn't i know i didn't i didn't unmute myself that was a mistake um <laughs> No, the um, you you could take a step further and go. Um, I I just I find it interesting to think of the implications because we know that um, there's what you could do with cards. There could be things like making all of your your actual purchases, like what you're buying, available to these companies, so they actually know what you're buying. Um, you could, for example, if let's say in ten years' time, in exchange ten... for additional points. Sorry. Yeah, in exchange for additional points. Yeah, so it'd be like. Um, because you know, eighty percent of your food shop from your last shop was organic or was uh, fat, fit, healthy, inc- uh, fit, yeah, we fell within in- healthy income categories. So we're going to award you eight points. So it's not just a case of like saying, can you go for a run? Uh, it's it's also a case of saying, are you changing your diet in that way? Um, because I don't think the technology has been there before. I mean, we've been on this cusp of open banking for the last three, four years, and that's being pushed. But if you if you opened up these loyalty programs and opened up these programs that actually show you what you are buying food-wise and then link that to these uh, programs, you then get the combination of the activity and the diet. Yeah, which I think is ultimately what we need to what this uh, hopefully this pilot can achieve because as we said well as i said earlier it was exercise and healthy eating is the only way that you potentially could help fight this obesity epidemic yeah i suppose i suppose the we we we, we haven't touched like on the the, the the gamifying aspect we've kind of focused primarily on the idea of accruing points or accruing some sort of incentive that can be then can represent a currency but the, it'd be interesting if they the, the one of the other things and, I, and i'm conscious that I probably only want to touch on maybe one or two more things but one perhaps other last thing to discuss is that one of the other things that i read from the king's fund study is that peer modeling and individual rewards had greater success than just rewards alone. Um, it, could back, it could backfire, right? Uh, it could backfire massively. If let's say the, the person you look up to and competing against on, on, on this community style uh, 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 like uh, application uh, decided to kick the habit and go back to the couch with dominoes, then that might disincentivize you. But it'd be interesting if they uh, also looked at dynamics of, it's not just a case that we're going to offer financial rewards. We could introduce ways for you to be able to compete against your family or be able to compete against people in your community. Um, Because if you get to a point where you get this, this structure of uh, actually turning it into a bit of a game and a competition, alongside this modeling on peers that you trust 
you might be more successful than just the financial incentives alone. I agree. I agree. And I, I think there is a lot of legs for that because I'm using gamified apps for learning. Mm. They, they do work. They do, they do keep you wanting to do more. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative thing. If it came to exercise, I think it would be ultimately positive if, you, if it encourages people to do more. And I mean, as I said, the, the health benefits of exercise are huge. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it is a good or bad thing, but I do definitely think it could work. Like you have done your five day streak. You get two times your health points where yeah. now go, go and treat yourself or you've unlocked this, um, hello fresh recipe. I, I, it yeah. Or it's like a, like, like, yeah. Like an accrual, like, you know, you've, you've successfully completed week one, you have five pounds in your pot. Um, if you continue over to week two, it doubles. Um, not going to lie. I feel like, yes, we potentially, as you say, could be treating on the going down the kind of like road to soft gambling, um, <laughs> which which may not be the best approach because you can imagine that, I imagine if you did a career all the way up, there is nothing worse than getting up a streak and then losing the streak. Um, I, yeah. had, I had that with Headspace when I did that last year, when I got up to like 80 days and then I was sick one day, wasn't able to do it, and I lost my streak, and then I quit it. Uh, and it's it's because I was just so distraught at the fact that I lost my streak. Um, mm. One of those th- rage quits. It's just like, ah, I've smashed my keyboard now. I can't believe I didn't smash my keyboard. Um, just want to point <laughs> that out there. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it'd be because I, I do. But I do think that using those kinds of techniques might make sense for something that has a negative uh, a po- sorry negative a positive outcome um unlike for example other apps that we know that use some forms of gamifying techniques which incentivize people to buy really 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 risky options agreements uh <laughs> about how they execute mm. stock trades um that that may be a negative aspect but as you said like maybe maybe in- encouraging people to to do that um extra extra jog the extra run that extra streak the extra step that extra step of we really are we're being we're we're waxing lyrical at the moment mate aren't we (laughs) Uh, will will make a um could could make a big difference in in the way that people pick this up yeah so i agree i i think i think to summarize then we know we know that there's we know that there's an obesity problem i think everyone knows that that's the case we know there's some really quite interesting studies coming out, some new approaches that use technology to help encourage people towards that direction and nudge them in that direction. Um, I think we've come up with a few ideas ourselves just talking about linking it to like HelloFresh boxes or Gusto boxes or linking up your club card and having open club card um, as a potential way to tickle the other side of health, not just what you do, but what you eat. Um, but there's some really interesting things in this space and it'd be interesting to see how they go over this next decade. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to watch how they do it. And as you said, a couple of warnings is just the, the discussion needs to be had on how to protect the data of those users. But ultimately if something is getting people to exercise more, be healthier, 
and ensure better quality of life through healthy eating and exercise, I'm all for it. Yeah, same here. Same here. If any uh, more tools that help people um, can never be a bad thing. Um, Correct. So, so, so Matt, why don't you read us out? Right, Jack. This morning episode was brought to you by Jack and Matt, uh, edited <laughs> and produced by Jack Rhodes. Uh, we look forward to having your comments uh, and we hope to have some more guests on the show sometime soon. But as this is a learning curve for both of us, episode two, super success. <laughs>